Let us now read together what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism concerning the fifth commandment in Lord's Day 39. page 550 of your book of praise. There we find God's word summarized as follows. What does God require in the fifth commandment? That I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. Submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline, and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings, since it is God's will, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. After the sermon, we will sing together from Psalm 63, the stanzas 2, 4, or hymn, I'm sorry, hymn 63, the stanzas 2, 4, and 8. Bluff congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that includes you also, boys and girls. The fifth commandment is a pivotal commandment. It stands between the two tablets of the law. It is the hinge that connects us to God and our neighbor. If you remove that hinge, if you remove the fifth commandment from the law, you become disconnected from God, and you also become disconnected from each other. Paul says that the fifth commandment is the first commandment with a promise. It would be better to translate this as the most important commandment with a promise, which also the original language allows. For the second commandment also contains a promise, namely that the Lord God will show love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. The fifth is the most important one with a promise because this commandment deals with our relationships. It has to do with our relationship to God and each other. If there's one thing difficult for us, it is how to conduct ourselves in the relationships in which God has placed us. That was the problem right from the start in paradise when Adam and Eve fell into sin. The Lord God created man in a relationship of love with him. Man owed everything to God. He owed his very existence to him. He was totally dependent on God, and God gave him everything that he needed. He did that because he loved the man and the woman that he created. It is out of love that the Lord God established the commandments, the rules that maintain that relationship. He says, if you want everything to be well between me and you and my whole creation, then my rules have to prevail. I made everything in a most harmonious way. But if you tamper with those rules, things will fall apart. And that's exactly what happened in paradise. 
When Adam disobeyed God, relationships fell apart. His relationship with God and his relationship with his wife became broken relationships. And that relationship, those relationships needed to be mended, to be restored. And that is only possible through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He came not only to die for our sins, but also to keep the law for us. It is only through the Lord Jesus Christ that our relationships can be restored. He kept the law on our behalf. It is only through him that we can be restored to our Father in heaven, the creator of all things. Does that mean then that we now no longer have to keep the law? Of course not. He tells us to be perfect. He tells us to sin no more. We have to keep every single law to the letter of the law. And of course, now I'm speaking about the commandments, not about the ceremonial laws. But he knows that we are incapable of keeping the law. Even though God's Holy Spirit dwells within us, we still have impure hearts and impure thoughts. We sin against God all the time. We break every one of his commandments every day. And therefore, we need to be restored. It's a daily renewal that we need. And we need the forgiveness of sins. We especially sin against the fifth commandment. We all have great difficulty with this one. We have great difficulty putting the fifth commandment into practice. It is because we are rebellious by nature. It is only through Christ and out of reference for him that we can know about submission to God and to each other. We have to do our utmost to maintain the fifth commandment in our lives and in this way also receive God's blessings. It will go well with us, and the Lord will grant us the enjoyment of a long life, of eternal life. Summarize the message of this sermon as follows. The fifth commandment teaches us submission out of reference for Christ. And then we will first look at the human difficulties with these commandments, and secondly, the divine blessings of these commandments. As I said, this commandment has to do with our relationship to the Lord and each other. A moment ago, Levi Dykstra received the sign and the seal of the covenant. Why did he receive that? Because of the relationship that he has with the Lord through his believing parents. Do you see the close connection? God creates us in relationships. He placed Levi within the Dijkstra family. And in so doing, he placed him within God's family, just like he did with Abraham and his offspring. Abraham was blessed in the generations. And Levi, too, he can have his parents here, his grandparents and his great-grandparents. What a blessing. But we first have to remember that God is the one who initiates that relationship. Oh, sure, there are two parties in that relationship. And that is why he tells us that we have to respond to what he has done, which is what the parents of Levi have done. They have promised to bring him up in accordance with the stipulation of the covenant that the Lord God has established. In other words, 
the parents have to teach Levi who the Lord God is and what he wants. They have to teach him submission to the Lord God. And they have to do that in word and in deed. And that's the task that God has given to them as parents. And that is the task that God has given to all of us who are parents. Now we come to the difficulty. Parents are fallible and sinful human beings. They make mistakes. We as parents can be selfish and abusive. All those in authority over us can be and often are selfish and abusive as well. And yet we have to honor and obey them. You see, that's where the trouble starts. We have to honor and obey sinful people who are in a position of authority over us. That's difficult. And it seems that that difficulty is made worse by the wording of the catechism. For it appears that you have to obey no matter what. You have to obey him, and you have to obey all those in authority over you in spite of their weaknesses and shortcomings. For it is God's will, it says, to govern us by their hand. That seems to be one-sided. But now if you compare that with what we read in Ephesians 5 and 6, then we get somewhat of a different picture. Paul begins this passage by stating that we have to submit to one another. And then everything is looked at in those passages from two sides. It is looked at the side of the one who has to obey and from the one who has to lay down the laws. There's a balance. Women and men have to submit. Children and parents also have to admit, as do slaves and their earthly masters, the one as well as the other, those with power and those without. Rose Day 39 doesn't do that. It seems that it comes down only on the side of those who have the power. Children have to obey parents. We have to obey all authority over us. And then we think especially of those who are in power, such as the government, the police officer, and your boss. And therefore, this Lord's Day can be easily misunderstood, as if you have to obey no matter what. But is that true? Well, let's look at the history of the establishment of authority here on earth. When things fell apart in paradise, there was a great void. There was chaos. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. However, even a godless society can't function that way. Therefore, authority had to be reestablished. But because God was no longer allowed to rule, such authority was established illegitimately. That happened already with God's own people when they came into the land of Canaan. They were not content to let the Lord rule them through the prophets who were supposed to tell the people how they are to relate to him. The prophets were there to tell the people how to behave and how to allow God's rule to be established in their relationships. 
But what do they want? They want a king. They insisted on it. Samuel the prophet was very disappointed. But the Lord God said to Samuel to go ahead and anoint a king. But make them aware of what the king is going to do. He is going to use his authority illegitimately. He will suppress you. He will take your possessions. He will abuse you. They wanted the king nevertheless. What's wrong with that, you may say? Well, if they wanted it because they wanted to have law and order in the land, that would be one thing. However, they asked for a king out of rebellion. Of course, it is good to have law and order in the land, but only if it is out of the desire to serve God through them. They wanted it for the wrong reasons. They wanted to be just like the other nations. It was the kind of relationship that denied their covenant relationship with God. They wanted to bypass God and be like the other nations who were without God. Brothers and sisters, authority for its own sake is very destructive. That's also the way it is in personal relationships. Just because you honor and respect your parents doesn't mean anything if you accept if you do it out of reference for Christ. We submit to one another in the Lord. Time and again, Paul in Ephesians 5 and 6 repeats that. He says in chapter 6, verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And he says to slaves that they have to obey their earthly matters as they would obey Christ. And the masters have to treat their slaves in the same way. Look at what happens when Christ is not in the picture. Think about those heathen societies where respect for one's elders, especially for one's parents, is a way of life. For example, Eastern countries such as China and Japan. Their parents and grandparents are treated with great respect. In many cases, they live with their children and grandchildren their whole life. Parents and grandchildren have a place of honor in the family and are looked after into their old age until they die. There is no doubt that such respect for the elders provides such a society with a lot of benefits. It provides stability. It also provides for longevity. In this way, the weak and the sick and the old are looked after as well. But that respect for one's parents is not enough. God always has to be in the picture. The exercise and respect for authority for its own sake is anti-Christian and in reality even a great disobedience. Why? Because such authority has been severed from God's absolute authority. A society where authority is of greatest importance becomes a totalitarian regime, a totalitarian society. And that is what happened in China. And that's also what happened in Japan until World War II, after which democracy was established. But you see, democracy comes from Western Christian countries, countries that were Christian at one time. Look around you in the world. Look around at the totalitarian regimes 
Christ is not in the picture there, and he never has been. This country of Canada is still reaping the benefits of its Christian underpinnings. Because God shows us that we are equal and we have to submit to one another because of the reference that we have because of Christ. We respect the prime minister not because of the man he is, but because of the office that he has been given. We have to accept his rule as long as he does not force us to go against God's will. And we respect the police officer because of the position that he or she has been given. Again, not because of the person himself. God knows that evil in society needs to be restrained. And therefore, let us be glad that we have a government and policemen that also try to do that. Even though in a, those in authority over us are far from perfect in doing so. And even if they themselves don't recognize God. More and more, this Canadian society does not understand or want to live under the authority of God. And therefore, if this country of Canada does not repent, it will end up being a totalitarian regime, just like all the others. But slowly but surely, those underpinnings right now are being undermined and eradicated. Who knows what the future will hold? We as Christians, however, are called upon to obey authority. And therefore, let us be glad that God gives us parents to correct us and keep us from harming ourselves, and that he gives us elders who have been given the duty to exercise their God-given authority. We are blessed to still have intact families. Also in this society, we see that less and less. And God gives us parents and he gives us stable families because he loves us and because he wants us to love each other. For look at what the catechism asks. It asks, what does God require in the fifth commandment? What does God require? The important thing is not what man wants, but what God wants. And what does he want? that I show all honor, love, and all faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. Obedience is not shown because of what the parents want in the first place. It is not for the well-being of the parents or for anyone else in authority over us. It is, first of all, a showing honor to God himself. You do it out of reference for Christ. But as I said, it is not man's nature to willingly submit to authority. Children, as small as they are, do not easily submit to authority. They have to learn obedience, for it is for their own well-being. If a child is left on its own, he or she will be, come to serious harm. And that is the way it is for all of us. If God would leave us alone, and let us do what comes natural to us, we all would come to serious harm. For we are by nature inclined to do and to seek evil. And evil always harms you. It will destroy you. And therefore, submission to authority is also to be done for one's own good. 
and the beginning of such obedience is found in the home. The Lord gives his authority in the first place to the parents. It is there where the rebellious nature of the child must be tempered. It is in the home that the children are taught to respect the authority of God and those who have been placed in the position by the Lord God himself. In the home, the basis is laid. And that is why it is important what goes on in the home, for in the home, the attitude towards authority is shaped in the mind of the child. For if the source of the well is murky and polluted, then the stream that flows from it will be the same. But if you keep the well pure, then you reap refreshing results and great blessings. The second point. The Catechism speaks about all authority over us. It is not just the obedience of children to parents. The Lord blesses all the generations, young and old. Look how he did that already in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, all the generations had to submit to authority. Already in the Old Testament, this commandment was meant for more than just little children. At that time, the family was not defined in the same way as today. Now the family unit included children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. And therefore, the family included not only parents, but also grandparents and great-grandparents. When a man got married, he would remain a part of his own family and make his wife part of his family. Think of Noah and his three sons. They were all part of the same family together with their wives. Think also of the patriarchs. When Jacob went to Egypt in order to escape the famine in Canaan, he took his whole family with him. Families stayed together. There were many reasons for that. One of the reasons was economic. As a large family unit, it was much easier to cooperate with each other in the harvesting of the crop and the care of the livestock, and the strong would look after the weak. Another reason was protection. As a family unit, they would be better able to ward off enemies. The greater your number, the better the protection against all kinds of harm. When you are part of such a family, then you are greatly blessed. But such blessings would only come upon the members of such a family if they followed God's directives. The fathers had to reflect God's qualities. They had to be forgiving and compassionate and understanding and patient. They also had to discipline when necessary in accordance with the laws that God had given them. And they had to realize that in all this, they were answerable to God. And the same thing was true for the children. God, in that regard, treats us all equally. We have to exercise authority because of the respect that we have for God in our lives. Else you won't receive God's blessings. You won't experience God's love. The boundaries of this commandment are limited to the law of God. A parent's authority is limited to the love which is built into all the commandments. The purpose of this commandment is to lead children and each other to God. And therefore, a father or a mother may not abuse the office that the Lord God has given to them. They may not rule with an iron hand. They may not abandon their children either. 
and their authority must be clothed with wisdom and patience and understanding. But it is man's sinful nature to abuse the power which he has been given. And that is why power in the hands of an unrepentant, unregenerate person leads to corruption. We, however, confess to be children of God. We may never abuse the authority which the Lord God has given. This goes for parents in their office, but it applies to the church as well. Any office bearer who abuses his office by becoming a dictator is wrong. That may not happen. If that is our attitude over against all authority, then God will also bless us if we realize that we are answerable to him. And that is indeed the goal of this commandment, to bless us. Ephesians 6 repeats the promise that if you keep this commandment, it will be well with you and that you will live long on the earth. Christ gives us the promise of eternal life. We have the beginning thereof already in this life. Someone who respects authority in this life experiences, experiences now already the peace and the blessings that such subjection brings. For someone who has a rebellious nature and who always kicks against authority in his life, such a person will have a miserable existence. Such a person will be full of bitterness and vindictiveness. He doesn't have peace in his heart, and he will concentrate on all the wrongs which he perceives that have been done to him. And his bitterness may indeed lead to an early physical death and indeed to eternal death if he doesn't repent. But what about when we are abused by those who have power, such as by a parent or a corrupt government? What do we do? Do we submit to that? Of course not. I know sometimes you don't have a choice. Children don't. Those who live under repressive regimes usually don't either. And those who have to put up with an overbearing boss often don't either. And that is why it is so important to remember that we submit out of reverence for Christ. Oh, sure, as much as we can, we must try to escape such abuse. But it isn't always possible. But as we try to get away from under the abuse, we have to remember in the meantime that we have a Lord and Savior who won the victory over evil. As Christians, we are not victims. As Christians, we are victorious. We will never have to suffer like the Lord Jesus Christ did. We will never have to endure anything like it. And so when we suffer, we go to him. And when we have memories of abuse, we can pray to him and know that he understands because he has walked on this evil earth. Look at how he was abused. He knows the horrible things that happen behind closed doors. He knows everything. He knows everything about your life. He also knows about the kinds of things that you've had to suffer. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that's why the Lord Jesus Christ came. 
He came to save us from all unlawful authority, and he came to save us from all evil. He came so that his rule may be established in our hearts and in this world. And his perfect rule over this whole world is going to come. We look forward to that. Because at that time, all our relationships will be fully restored with him and with each other. And then we can enjoy God to the fullest and we can enjoy one another to the fullest. It's great to have a foretaste of that now already, isn't it? But something much greater is coming. God is going to establish his perfect rule when heaven and earth are reunited. Isn't that something to look forward to? Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Amen.